Welcome to Ennisbrook Church. We hope this message from our sex and location pastor, Jared Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at ennisbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? We're doing good? Fantastic. I hear a good bro. That's good, man. Was that you? Was that you? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, uh, well, it is so, so great to be here this morning. Welcome. Welcome to church. What a morning we've already had. It's been so good so far. Anyone enjoying church so far? Yeah. Anyone thankful for our amazing worship team today? Let's thank them. And uh, I know Graham has already said a big, huge thank you to the, to the team who are helping and hosting us this morning and getting things set up. Team came in yesterday and set up for uh, the, you know, the screen and, and people cooking hash browns and coffee. And uh, we so appreciate you. Can we just thank them again? And uh, I'm, I'm excited this morning to share. If anyone doesn't know me, my name is uh, Jared Lieberzeit and uh, myself and Alicia, we are location pastors here at Saxton. And um, uh, it is an absolute honour to do what we do. And it's an honour and a privilege to share this morning. Um, sharing uh, around, coming around the Word of God is always such an exciting moment, isn't it? Anyone expecting that God's going to speak today? Hey, has anyone actually already had God speak to them this morning? Anyone already? God is already moving in this place and, uh, and it's very, very cool. On a day, on a day that could, have, could be a day of grief for our nation, but it's not, amen? Feeling good? Feeling excited, excited about life and expectant? Good. I want to share, uh, and I want to, I want to give this this title for this message this morning, and it's this: uh, just be honest. Just be honest. I want to share from John eight verse thirty one. Okay, and it's a scripture that you may have heard, you may know. The context of this scripture is uh, this moment in time where Jesus he is in the middle of his journey of ministry and he's come into a situation where there are some some guys some uh, let's call them they are the Pharisees they are these Jewish Jewish religious leaders and they are trying to find reason to persecute Jesus they've brought him you know the story of the uh, the adulterous woman and they bring her to him and they're trying to trick him. And, and, and basically in this point of time, Jesus is having to testify about who he is. To say that he is not just a man. He's not just a great teacher. That he's not just some guy. But that in fact he is greater than anyone who has come before him. This is what it says. Okay, John 8 verse 31. It'll be on the screen. It says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Set you free. A couple more chapters, John 14, we read, Jesus says that he is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. I take from this moment in time that Jesus is not just talking about the truth being some great quote or an idea or something that someone once said, but that in fact, knowing the truth talks about knowing who Jesus is. It talks about knowing Jesus. Goes on and, and, and hearing this, these people, they respond. It says, they answered him and they said, we are Abraham's descendants. We know Abraham. You, you got to know Jesus. 
we come from the line of Abraham and we have never been slaves of anyone. So how can you say that we shall be set free? As if to say, do we really need to be set free? What do we need to be set free from? Jesus replies and says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This morning, I want to remind us that a follower of Jesus is meant to live a life of freedom. That our belief in Jesus means that we have an assured salvation. That means that we will one day experience true freedom in heaven. That is the goal. That is where we are heading to. But also Jesus came so that we could have freedom while we live here on earth. So that we might be able to reach into heaven and draw down a little bit of what freedom might feel like there, we actually get to experience here. The good news of Jesus means that we don't have to wait for our freedom when we get into eternity, but that freedom is available right now, here on earth, in our life, through the work of Jesus Christ. And today, I believe that there are some people who are going to get set free. Specifically, I believe there's some people here today who are going to get set free from some pain that you've been holding on to. There's some pain that you've been carrying around. I'm not talking about um, just pain because, well, I assumed that the All Blacks would lose. No, this is much deeper than that. This is much more than that. Some of us are trying to work hard to maybe deal with the pain in our life when we should actually really just be bringing it to Jesus. There are others of us who are working hard right now to hide our pain. I, I want to declare freedom over your life. I want to speak this amazing freedom through the name of Jesus, our living hope. Praise the one who set us free. And he set us free to be free indeed. There's, uh, there's, there's this idea out there, and, and people may know this and understand this, but a guy, for a guy, um, which I'll share um, on behalf of from experience because I am a guy, um, one of the last things that you want in life is for people to see you cry, okay? Especially when you're 10 years old, okay? And you're on the football pitch. Football translated into um, New Zealand is soccer, just so you know, but football pitch. And uh, you're in front of your entire football team, family, friends, and, uh, and coaches. I remember I was this 10-year-old. I had been subbed off, okay? It means you're taken out of play. You're now standing on the sideline watching the game happen. We just saw it happen to a couple of key players, one being called Aaron Smith. What a way to finish a career, eh? being subbed off. It's, it's a tough moment. But I was subbed off and I was standing on the side and I was angry. Obviously, the coach didn't want our team to win, right? You know, <laughs> give the other team a chance. <laughs> As I was standing though on the side of the field and I had gone and put a bib on and, and not like a bib that like a toddler wears, but like a, you know, a sports bib, um, Anyways, uh, I was standing there and, 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 and someone made a pass on the field, which was a little bit wayward. The ball came flying out of play. It was flying, as absolutely going for it. I would say probably 150, 160 kilometers an hour, maybe. <laughs> flying off, off the field and flying towards me. I was completely unaware. 
I had not noticed. I was not watching. I did not know that there was a ball that had been kicked and was flying out of play towards me. The ball soaring through the air and it hit me. Right in a place that causes probably the worst pain known to man. The nose, right? The nose. What? Gave me a massive fright. My nose is like stinging. I don't know if you've ever had this, you know, your nose gets hit and your eyes instantly start to water. You ever had that? Oh man, I'm feeling so embarrassed. My face goes red and I'm just thinking to myself, don't cry. Don't cry in front of your friends, you sissy. You know, (laughs) no one one says sissy. These people, oh, weird. My my goal is to just hold it together and and to not not cry. And and I'm doing fine, okay? I was fine. I was in pain, but I was fine. And and, and then this, this lady walks over. And, and, and this, she's, she's a mom of one of my best friends in the football team. And her name's Joe Belitho. She walks over and uh, shout out to Joe if you're watching online, by the way, sometimes she does. And, and she walks over to me. She puts her arm around me. She puts her arm around me and she says something that you may have heard. Someone may have asked you this before. She just says, are you okay? Are you okay? And as soon as she asked me that question, you know what happened. I started bawling my eyes out. I lost it, absolutely lost, uncontrollable crying. And now the whole team has stopped. They're just watching me cry on the sideline. She now doesn't just have her arm around me, but she's, it's a full on hug. I'm crying in her arms and the team is watching and it's so embarrassing, <laughs> so, so embarrassing. <laughs> the question though, are you okay? Seems to be a bit of a trigger. I don't know if you've had a story similar to that. Are you okay? When you thought that you were maybe able to hold it together until someone came and asked you the question, hey, you doing okay? I was wondering, is everything all right? Is everything okay? Are you okay? I wanted to share this morning that in life, Jesus never intended that you and I would live just trying to hold it together. That we were not created to try and hold back, the, not the emotions, but not, we, we were created just to hide our pain. We were not created to feel like we have to cover up our pain. And no, I'm not talking just about emotional moments. And I'm not just like talking about like trying to not cry in front of people. And, and, and as a fully grown man, I do feel okay about crying in front of people. And actually, in fact, it's something that I feel like I have inherited from my mother is crying in front of people. Um, she inherited from her uh, father, my grandfather, who's here. And, and it's just a thing that we do. I feel like crying is genetic. I don't know. Is it? Maybe <laughs> everyone does it. I'm not talking just about the emotions though, I'm talking about the fact that so many of us go through painful situations, some of us even traumatic, and we can become trapped in that pain. And pain can become like a ripple that has this, has this kind of flow on effect throughout the river that is our life. And it's something that feels like it's sticking with us. We begin to live life like we're just doing our best to hold it all together because there's a pain in us that for some reason just won't go away. It feels like that pain is holding on to us. 
But if you apply John 8 verse 31, then a true disciple of Jesus knows that you are the person that has been set free and has been set free indeed. So in fact, the pain is now no longer holding on to you. I think that in reality, the issue is that a lot of us, a lot of us are the ones who are actually holding on to that pain. There's something that is built within human nature to want to hold on to the past. Something that's built within us that wants to hold on to the past. And we also love to try and, and, and cover things up. In fact, we read about it, and this perfect example of this in the Bible, where sin entered the world. And this story, is, it, it starts off, God has created the world, and He's created it, a world full, filled with goodness. He finishes it off by creating Adam, and then He creates Eve, and it creates Eve so that, so that Adam wouldn't be alone because he needs help. He just needs help. They're in the Garden of Eden, and the Garden of Eden is this incredible picture of perfection. Everything is provided. Everything they need is there. It's this image of amazing and ultimate relationship with God. They were there with Him, and everything was incredible. Everything is perfect. It says in Genesis 2 verse 25, and it has to be pointed out, that Adam and his wife, they were both naked and they felt no shame. God says to Adam and Eve to go ahead and enjoy what is around them. But says, just don't eat from that tree. Just don't eat from that tree. God said, you, will, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. But then the serpent slithers in, this representation, and it is, it is Satan, and comes in and says, Scripture says that he's crafty and that he tricked Eve and Adam into eating from that tree. And as soon as they ate that fruit, in Genesis 3 verse 7, it says this, when they ate the fruit, that their eyes were both opened and they realized that they were naked. So what did they do? They showed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. God then comes to meet with them in the garden, but He can't find them because they've now hidden themselves. So God calls out. He's like, where are you? Where'd you go? Adam, Eve. And Adam answers. He says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. God then asks, who told you you were naked? Who, who told you you were naked? The situation beforehand says that they had no shame in their situation. It says that they had no shame in their state of living and being. Now all of a sudden, something's changed their perception on what's going on in this amazing, perfect image, this Garden of Eden. They've realized they're naked. Same state, same situation. But now all of a sudden, it's a situation that is filled with pain. Adam and Eve are then both removed from the Garden of Eden and their life would never be the same. In fact, our life would never be the same. This one moment caused sin to enter the world and so much pain would then come with it. A direct result of their mistake is that they feel they now need to hide and cover up what has been exposed, their nakedness. Now they feel ashamed about it. This moment, this moment, 
causes them to feel like they need to hide from God. It says they realise they're naked. Now they're ashamed about it. They realise they're exposed and they have to find a way to cover up. And the same thing that caused Adam and Eve to act like this in you is in you and I. We have a great fear of being exposed. We have this great fear of feeling like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to get that vulnerable. I don't know if I'm ready to get, to get that, that open. I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to to kind of be that honest about what's really going on in my life because I feel like it's going to be a little bit messy or maybe it might be a little bit shameful or it might be a little bit, a little bit painful even, even talking about it or, or, or going through it. And I felt God placed this word on my heart for someone today who feels like they're having to cover up parts of their life from God where something has happened in life and you have not been able to let go of it. So instead of dealing with it, you've just decided you'll just cover it up. And you're wondering, will God heal me of this pain? I wanna share today that if you've hidden it from God, that He isn't able to heal it. What is hidden in our life, God cannot heal. If you haven't given God access to it, then He won't be able to heal it. There are things that you have decided are easier to cover up, but all it's doing is just keeping you in captivity. See, God doesn't want us living under nor in the pain of our past, our mistakes, our wrong decisions, our wrongdoings, or even what other people have done to us. He doesn't want us living in that pain because there are things in life that you and I are not equipped to carry around. Oh, Jesus desires that we would be free. He said we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Him. He said to take up our cross, don't take up your trauma. Oh, He said, take up your cross. Don't take up your pain. He says, deny yourself. We often think, okay, yeah, cool. I'm gonna deny myself, which means maybe I'm gonna deny some good things. I'm gonna gonna deny uh, possessions Every now and then, I'm gonna deny the things that I feel I want in the flesh, but what about denying the things that feel painful? What about denying the trauma in your life and not allowing it to go on and continue on? To deny means to absolutely turn away from, to decide you're gonna walk the other way. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Him. You can't take up your cross if you're still holding on to the pain of your life at the same time. You've got your hands full. And you've got to let go of some things so that you can take up that cross and follow Jesus. God sets us free when we get honest. When we get honest. So let's, um, let's get honest. I, I, I want to answer the question, how do we get honest? Okay, how do we get honest? First thing I want to say is this, admit it, you need Jesus. Admit it, you need Jesus. John 8 verse 31, Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And and these people who are there, they respond in a little bit of surprise. They gathered and the Bible actually says that when Jesus addresses this crowd, that it's to a bunch of Jews who have already believed in Him. Okay, it's what the Bible says. So they have a, a belief in who Jesus is. But they respond and they say, listen, listen, 
We're not sure about needing this truth or this freedom because we're Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. So how can you say that we shall be free? As if to say, Jesus, we're not sure we need this truth. As if to say, Jesus, we are already free. We are, we are all, oh no, Jesus, I, I think we're good. We don't need more freedom in our lives. No, we, we have it sorted. We have the plan. We, we feel kind of happy with where things are at. They have decided that they don't need Jesus to be more than just someone that they can believe in. But Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. So he's not just talking, as I said, about an idea or a quote, but he's actually talking about who he is. He's saying to them, listen, I actually want you to know me and to trust me and to follow me. Jesus doesn't just want these people to just believe in him. No, he wants them to follow him. And that's what he wants from us too. He doesn't want us just to believe in him as a great idea. Oh, he doesn't want us just to have some sort of, yeah, 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 cliche. I believe in God. What are you doing with that belief is what matters. Are you willing to actually take a step and follow him from that point of belief? He wants us to follow him. The scripture tells us that there are many who believe, but not all of us are disciples. There's people here and they have a faith, but they're not all true followers of Jesus. I believe that you can have a faith and still not be free. A true disciple of Jesus, though, they know the truth and the truth has set them free. They know the truth and the truth has set them free. A true disciple has decided this. They have admitted it. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And I wonder if we could get honest for a second. Do you see Jesus as something to believe in that is external to your life? As if your life is over here and you are running your race and it feels like things are going really well. And yes, you believe in Jesus, but Jesus is kind of over here and he's, he's a little bit separate. And, and maybe you go and, and you visit him on a, on a Sunday or maybe you go and visit him at, on a connect, a connect group or, or once a week or, or something. But it's like you have this constant belief and faith in him. Yes, but still he is external to your life. The alternative, of course, is that you're the type of person who has actually allowed him in, who has said to him, Jesus, you can lead me. Jesus, you can teach me. Yep, Jesus, you can help me. Jesus, you can love me. Jesus, you can set me free. You can set me free. There are people today who I think they know church really well, as if this is kind of knowing church, playing church, but they don't know Jesus really well. They don't know Jesus really well. I think that you can know church or you can know the truth. You can attend church. You can serve on a team. You can contribute. You can go to the nice coffee, catch up with the pastor, which let's be honest, sometimes they're not very nice at all. And you can still not be free. You can still not be free. Church won't set you free. Only the, only the truth. Only the truth will set you free. Now, now don't get me wrong. You need community. And man, we need each other. Or oh, we need each other to pray for each other, to, to pray with each other. This moment in time right now when we've gathered together to worship and to learn and to be encouraged and to have our faith edified, it's this beautiful, incredible thing. So do not ever forsake the gathering of the saints. We should continue to always do it. But just make sure that you really do know who Jesus is and that you really know Him as a personal revelation. 
that you've committed your life to following Him. Because Jesus doesn't want you playing some sort of a religious game. No, He wants to see you set free and free indeed. He wants to see you set free. The second thing on getting honest is focus. Focus. Don't focus on your pain. Focus on Jesus. Don't focus on your pain. Focus on Jesus. Stop making the pain the focus of your life. You know pain has become your focus when it's all you seem to talk about. You may find that people, they kind of tiptoe around you because they know, oh, we're just going to hear about the problems again. We're going to hear about what's going on. We're going to hear about the, the pain, the struggle again. When we, all we ever do is talk about pain, when all we ever do is focus on pain, we actually begin to glorify that trauma. We begin to glorify that pain. Don't glorify trauma. Don't glorify pain. You may be allowing, you have, may, may have allowed, sorry, what you've been through to become a part of your identity as if the pain is now a major part of your life. But we know that who we are is not connected to what we have done or to what has been done to us. Your pain does not deserve all of your focus. You should acknowledge your pain, but you should focus on Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this, that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Someone said it like this, don't just tell God about your problems when you pray, but tell your problems about your God. Don't just come to God saying, I've got all these big issues. I've got all this pain and I don't know what to do, but actually come with a little bit of a, little bit of, a, a, a little bit of a fire in you that says, you know what, problems? Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about the bigness of my King Jesus who has defeated the grave, who has given me life, who has promised the life and life of, it, of all fullness, the fullness and an abundance of it and that. Let's continue to keep growing in God. Keep pressing into Him. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. The team can come and join me and we're going to finish and we're going to pray. And and, uh, I believe we're going to pray for some people today and and we're going to see some people set free and set free from their pain. First thing in getting honest is admit it, you need Jesus. The second thing is to focus and focus on the right things. Focus on Jesus. And, and the third thing, last thing, last point, and I don't know how you feel about this, but it's just fall apart. And stop acting like you have it all together. Stop acting like you have it all together. Jesus didn't create you so that you would go through life trying to just hold it all together. He didn't create you so that you would just go through life hiding your pain. And I want to just make the declaration here today, enough pretending. But you have permission to fall apart. You have permission to fall apart. Not just to make a mess of your life, but to fall apart, understanding the grace of God, understanding the love of God, that Jesus is not someone who when you fall apart will leave you where you are. But He says it, that if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So it means that you can come to a place like this in a moment of time like this and you can acknowledge, yeah, there's pain in my life and and I have to do something about it. So maybe you, you need to fall apart, but just know that God would never leave you there, that He will always do whatever He needs to do to help put you back together. 
to piece you back together, to heal, we're gonna have to let go of some things. To heal, we're gonna have to get honest about some things. For many of us, it will require a confession. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, then He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. It's time for us to come with a confession of this is what I've been holding on to. And it's time for us to get honest with God. Remember this, God does not require your confession as a transfer of information for God already knows all things. He's already seen all things. Before you thought that painful thought or you felt that painful feeling, God already knew what was about to take place in your life. He already knows the mistakes and the pain that has been caused by them and the things that you're carrying. So your confession is never gonna be a surprise to Him. You can never shock Him. You can never do anything that would make Him love you less than He does right now. Adam and Eve, they failed to get honest. And instead, they felt they needed to cover up. Now they were ashamed. They felt that they just needed to cover that up. They felt they needed to try and hide from God, maybe even hide their mistake. They were just afraid to expose themselves before Him. But the good news of Jesus is that we don't need to cover up. The good news of Jesus is that we can come messy, is that we can come broken. The good news of Jesus is that you don't have to be all together. You can fall apart at the feet of Jesus and He will still love you just as much as He does right now. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those that are in Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 17 says this, For if by the trespass of one man, talking about Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and gift of righteousness reign in life through that other man, a new man, the one man, the best man, the greatest man, the one who does set free and free indeed. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the one who will take away your sin, the one who will take away your pain, the one who will clean you up, will put you back and lift you up out of a miry clay and set your feet upon a rock. Jesus, the one who comes today and actually wants you, He wants you vulnerable. He doesn't want you all together. He doesn't want you pretending. He wants you exposed. You cannot keep it all together, but we must fall apart so that He can piece us back together. Uncover your pain. Let's release it. Let's let it go. God sets us free when we get honest. God sets us free when we get honest. How can we get honest? Let's first admit that we need Jesus. Let's focus on Him, not on our pain. And let's allow ourselves to fall apart. Let's allow ourselves to fall apart. I feel like this morning, there's some people who are gonna get set free in God's presence. That God wants to do a work here in your life to free you of some pain, but it's gonna take a little bit of a courageous step to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna open up. I'm gonna uncover this thing. I love this incredible song, Living Hope. And that verse that we sung before, this amazing image 
of a tomb that's empty, that Jesus would die for us, that He would be buried, but that on the third day, He would come back to life, that He would also roll away the stone that covers over the grave. You know, Jesus didn't need to do that. It's a story and Jesus appears to His disciples and they gathered in a room together on that same day that there and they gathered in this room and Jesus appears to them. And the story records that all of the doors were locked in that room because they were afraid of what might happen to them because they were scared because if Jesus' enemies might kill Him, what would they do to Jesus' students? So they're hiding away. And so Jesus, it records that He appears in the room, but the door stays locked. Jesus has kind of entered into this this dimension where He can appear in a room. So why would He need to roll the stone away? I don't think rolling the stone away was a means for an escape, but more was Him being able to paint a picture for His disciples that as they turn up to the grave, that they would have no question in their mind that they wouldn't wonder, that they wouldn't still see the stone covering that tomb and say, oh, well, He must still be in there. But as soon as they arrive, they see that stone uncovered and they know Jesus is alive. They go in and they see the grave clothes and they're folded up and, and, and there's no body there. And so they know Jesus is alive. And so Jesus uncovers that stone from in front of that tomb, just as we should uncover the things that maybe we've placed over the pain in our life to say, listen, I'm not the same person. To say, listen, I am changed. Jesus has done a work in me. I'm not dead anymore. I'm not in pain anymore. I'm not struggling anymore, but I've changed. And Jesus has changed me and He's done a work in me and I've been set free by Him and I'm free indeed. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. In fact, let's stand to our feet, shall we? We're gonna pray for some people. We're gonna allow God to do a work in us today. The line, that an amazing preacher uses is that we would allow him to do business with us and we are going to do business with God. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info or visit our website.